0: Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Over the next few weeks, I'd like to take you on a little journey with Jesus as he walks different roads. We'll call it the road to the empty tomb, as we will see how Jesus left clues for us on his way to his own empty tomb and the victory that he won for us there. We'll go with him on a road to Bethany, on a road into Jerusalem, and on a road to Emmaus. Are you familiar with the old story of Hansel and Gretel? You might remember in that story that they laid breadcrumbs out in hopes that they would be able to find their way back home. Those crumbs were left so that they could find their way ultimately to their destination. Maybe that's a good picture of what Jesus does for us in the course of the next few weeks. He leaves us clues, clues about who he is and what he was here on this earth to do. And they all come full circle in his own empty tomb. And so today, as we take a look at John chapter 11, we're going to look at an amazing chapter in the Bible, an incredible chapter, a chapter that's filled with emotion and packed with comfort for you and for me. If you have a Bible handy this morning, I would love for you to follow along as we look at some different verses in John chapter 11. Or, if you get a chance sometime this week, read this chapter from the Bible. What we'll see in this chapter today is that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And as we hear Jesus say these words, we will see, first of all, that Jesus gives big promises. And then, secondly, that he fulfills them all. Yes, this is one of those just amazing chapters in the Bible, John chapter 11. And as we walk through this chapter today, it begins with information that comes to Jesus and his disciples. Information that their friend, Jesus' friend, Lazarus, is sick. Interestingly enough, we know a lot about Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha. We've heard about them in other places in Scripture. But John chapter 11 is the first time we hear that they have a brother. A brother by the name of Lazarus, who was also deeply loved by Jesus and a good friend of our Savior. And when Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, he says this to his disciples in John chapter 11 verse 4. This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. There's two amazing things in that statement of Jesus. The first part that this will not end in death. Notice that Jesus doesn't say that Lazarus won't die simply that this sickness won't end in death, already giving a clue of what he was about to do. But then he says something else that's interesting as well. The whole purpose for Lazarus's death, the whole purpose of this illness, was for the glorification of God and glorifying Jesus himself as the one that God sent to save. Jesus actually waits. He waits two more days to head to Bethany, to head on that road to see Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And as the disciples and Jesus are ready to go, he tells the disciples that Lazarus has fallen asleep. The disciples don't quite understand that Jesus is comparing sleep and death. And so Jesus says this to them in verse 14. Lazarus is dead, and for your sake I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Jesus and his disciples head to Bethany. And when they get there, they are met by one of the two sisters. Martha comes out to meet Jesus and John records for us the conversation that Jesus and Martha have in chapter 11, verses 21 to 24. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. By the time Jesus arrived in Bethany, we're told that Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. Imagine Martha's sadness. Imagine the pain that Martha and her sister Mary and their friends and family were going through. To me, that makes what Martha expresses in these verses all the more amazing. It makes Martha's faith truly stand out. She simply says to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Those aren't words of accusation against Jesus, but an observation, an observation that Jesus has the power to heal. Martha shows that as she goes on to the next verse in saying, even now, I know God will give you whatever you ask. Her faith is remarkable, isn't it? Her brother has been in the grave for four days and yet she says to Jesus, even now, even now God can give you whatever it is that you ask. Jesus makes her a big promise. Your brother will live again. To which Martha quickly answers with another confession of her faith. I know he will live. I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. What an exchange between Jesus and his friend Martha in this text. So let me ask you, how are you doing with the big promises of Jesus? It's easy, isn't it? Is it easy when we're confined to our homes, when we're not sure what's going on in the world? It's easy to doubt. It's easy to fear. Sometimes I've noticed in my life that when things go the worst, that's when the worries come the quickest. The tentacles of those worries kind of creep their way into my mind and into my heart and cause me to doubt the goodness and the promises of God. Yes, when troubles hit, It's uncertainty that brings us those fears and worries. It's concern about our futures and forgetting that those futures are in the hands of a God who has made us big promises, too. That's why it's amazing to see Martha's faith as something for us to emulate. Yes, Martha was sad. Yes, there was trouble in her life. But underlying that trouble was her faith in God's promises. Doesn't our faith serve the same way? How many times have you thought to yourself over the last couple of weeks, I don't know how people do this without a faith in Jesus. I don't know how people go through these troubles and trials without faith. And maybe we've seen some of that too, haven't we? The panic that people have, the concern in their eyes and in their lives. And we have a message. We have the truth. We have the life and resurrection of Jesus point people to. It's that safety net that lies underneath our lives as well. But wouldn't it be great to to even flip that around a little bit instead of having faith being the thing that lies underneath and, and takes us a little bit to work our way down to? Wouldn't it be great if our worries were the afterthought and our faith was in the forefront? Well, Jesus' big promises do that for us. Jesus does that for us by telling us I know what I'm doing. Be still and know that I am God. Yes, in these big promises of Jesus, our faith comes to the foreground and our troubles to the bottom. I suppose we could describe what goes on in our Christian lives like a wrestling match. Maybe some of you have been fans of wrestling or have gone to a wrestling match a time or two in your life and Maybe you've been privileged to see a wrestling match where the two wrestlers were very evenly paired and the match went back and forth. At one point, it seemed like one of the wrestlers had complete control of the match and then a reversal happens and the other wrestler takes control. It's a pretty good description about what goes on inside of our hearts and our minds, isn't it? As troubles hit, as Trials come as worries and fears creep their way into our hearts and lives. It's easy for worry to get the upper hand. It's easy for our fear to get the upper hand on our faith. But look at what Jesus does for us today. He asks us to go right back to his word, right back to his promises. And in those promises, Jesus gives our faith the upper hand on our fears. He tells us to go back to him and hear what he is saying. Trust in those big promises. And Jesus will lead us through whatever trouble we face. Jesus wasn't done making big promises. Take a look at the next verse and a half, chapter 11, verses 25 and 26. Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. This is one of Jesus' I am statements. That name, I am, was Jesus connecting the dots back to the Old Testament, a name for God that was Yahweh. Jesus was telling people by using this phrase, I am, that he was the promised Messiah. Look at what he says to Martha I am the resurrection. Yes, Martha, Lazarus will rise at the last day, but no resurrection happens without me, apart from me. Yes, Martha, Jesus says, I am life. I am the one who gives life. I am the one who raises people back to life. A few years back, there was a t-shirt that said, Jesus is life, the rest is just details. It's exactly what Jesus is saying, isn't it? That everything about life, everything that we need in life, comes through him. And all the rest are the details that God will work out for us. The promises continue. Jesus tells Martha that, that everyone who believes in him will live even in death. And that whoever lives by believing in him will never die. What a profound statement Jesus is giving us. What a big promise he's laying out for us. No matter what happens to our lives, no matter what happens to our bodies in this world, our souls will go on living, the Bible tells us. And then those souls will be joined at the last day by bodies that will be resurrected from the dead. Yes, on the road to his own empty tomb, Jesus is demonstrating to us that we will leave our tombs empty as well. These are some amazing big promises that Jesus gives us, but he doesn't simply throw the promises out and expect us to simply hold on to them. He backs up what he promises. Fast forward with me just a little bit into the chapter, chapter 11. Jesus makes the trek out to Lazarus's tomb. He cries, weeps at the sadness of losing his friend Lazarus, of the fact that Lazarus had to experience death. But then Jesus does something amazing. Even though Lazarus had been in the grave for four days, he simply calls to him, Lazarus, come out. He raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus explains exactly what was happening in chapter 11, verses 40 to 42. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus reminds those who are listening, those who are present at Lazarus' grave today, and all of us through John's account, that he was sent by God. He had come into this world to do this very thing, to defeat sin and death in our place. And that by Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we are forgiven. We are saved. Something else in Jesus' words as well that help us in our present crisis. We get to see a little bit how God works. Maybe you'd have questions of Jesus if you were alive at that day. Why, if you were going to raise Lazarus from the dead, why why let him die? Why wait four days? Why let him get sick to begin with? And yet, look at what Jesus says. All of this was done so that people would recognize who Jesus is. And that by recognizing who Jesus is, would put faith in him, trust in him for salvation. Let me take you back to Jesus' conversation with Martha to finish out our sermon this morning. Jesus simply says to Martha, do you believe this? After telling her I am the resurrection and the life, And Martha's answer, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus' simple question of Martha, do you believe this, was met with a beautiful confession, a confession that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He is the Son of God. And that makes all the difference. This isn't a human being who is making these big promises. It's the Son of God himself. It's Jesus who stands behind these promises. It's Jesus who left his own tomb empty to guarantee our forgiveness and resurrection. And so God's question comes to us this morning. It probes our hearts. Do you believe this? And with Martha, we can confess, convinced by God's own word and God's own promises, you are the Son of God. So a virus has confined us to our homes, has changed life as we know it over the last couple of weeks. Maybe there's some questions swirling in your mind. Why is this happening? Why is God allowing this to go on? Maybe those tentacles of doubt have crept their way a little bit into your mind and your heart. I've heard other people ask it this way. Where is God? Where is God when all of this is going on? As if maybe somehow God is taking... A vacation. Doesn't this text remind us that God's ways are not always our ways? That God's way is sometimes higher and more difficult for us to understand that at other times? I can't tell you what God's purpose is exactly, but I can tell you what God promises. He promises that if he's for us, there is nothing that can stand against us and that nothing can separate us from his love. I know some of you are hurting. Maybe you've lost your job, your source of income. Maybe your own health isn't great. God isn't forgotten. God isn't taking a vacation. God knows exactly where you are and what you're going through. And just as with Lazarus, God was glorified. I know that God will be glorified through the troubles and struggles that we face as well. What a great question for us to ask ourselves. How will God be glorified in my life through this? see, Jesus says to you and me, I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And with certainty, worked by the Holy Spirit, we say, yes, Lord, we believe. And because we believe, we too will live, not just here in this life, living knowing that something so much better is coming, but we have a life with our Lord forever, a life in a place where there is no sickness, where there is no pain, Where there's nothing that will cause us trouble, or worry, or fear, a life with our Lord. Listen to the description that the Apostle John gives in Revelation chapter 7. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple, and he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger, never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, I suppose we could add here no virus, right? For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Here are a few takeaways from our sermon this morning. First of all, number one, Jesus makes us big promises about living and dying. Take these promises to heart. Hold on to what Jesus is saying. These are the clues that Jesus is dropping about who he is and what he has done. Secondly, we trust these promises. We trust his promises because Jesus broke out of his own tomb. Yes, that empty tomb of Jesus, that road that we are traveling to find out that Jesus left his tomb empty, he gave us a lot of evidence along the way by letting Lazarus come out of his tomb too. And finally, number three, since Jesus fulfilled his big promises, he will fulfill all his promises. When God says to you that he will never leave or forsake you, when God says that we can cast all our anxieties on him because he cares for us, we can hang on to those promises, take them to heart, and know that Jesus will fulfill them all. One of the more amazing things in God's creation is the transformation of a caterpillar, to a cocoon, to a butterfly. Maybe some of you have done this and captured a a caterpillar and watched it form a chrysalis and then later become a butterfly. You know the struggle that happens, right? You know what a difficult thing it is to get out of that cocoon and become a butterfly. And yet, you also know the purpose that God made it that way, don't you? As that butterfly struggles to leave the cocoon, its wings are strengthened so that when it comes out of that cocoon, it can fly. Maybe that's a great description (coughs) of our lives right now as well. That you and I are facing struggles. That there are times that life in this world is not that easy. And yet, God never leaves us. God always has a purpose, even behind our struggles. And one day, we will leave the cocoon of our tombs, And we will be raised just as our Savior Jesus raised Lazarus and just as Jesus was raised from the dead as well. Jesus gives us life. Yes, he makes big promises and he fulfills them all. I am the resurrection and the life Jesus says to you and me today. Believe it and live. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, amen.